you must have seen this, uh, and you should know what this is all about, right? Anybody not sure? Okay, this is Singapore's year of the Jubilee. It's 50 years from independence, which is 1965. Um, perhaps more well-known would be this, Babies. And uh, I understand that the proper name is uh, yeah, Jubilee Baby Gift or Baby Jubilee Gift. And, and it's a very good thing, and I hope to be a beneficiary, beneficiary of this uh, as well. Uh, since my son is not around, I can say this. Yeah. But you know, the Jubilee is not about Singapore. Jubilee is also not about uh, babies. You know? So we, we ought to be educating uh, our friends and relatives alike that the Jubilee is about God. And it was God who um, instituted the Jubilee. And it's from the Bible, it's from Leviticus chapter 25. In the first service, I read the whole thing. It took a very long time. So let me encourage you to read it. But still, I think we need to read a good half of uh, Leviticus chapter 25. So if you would turn to your Bible, let's just read half of that chapter. How did it begin? What is the purpose of the Jubilee? Leviticus chapter 25, verse 1. I'll end at verse 28. The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended, vineyard, uh, untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your manservant and maidservant, and the hired worker and temporary resident who live among you, as well as for your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. Count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the Day of Atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to his family property and each to his own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. For it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to his own property. If you sell land to one of your countrymen or buy any from him, do not take advantage of each other. You are to buy from your countrymen on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee. And he is to sell to you on the basis of the number of years left for harvesting crops. When the years are many, you are to increase the price. And when the years are few, you are to decrease the price. Because what he is really selling you is the number of crops. Do not take advantage of each other, but fear your God. I am the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to obey my, my laws, and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit, 
and you will eat your fill and live there in safety. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you are but aliens and my tenants. Throughout the country that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of the land. If one of your countrymen becomes poor and sells some of his property, his nearest relative is to come and redeem what his countrymen has sold. If, however, a man has no one to redeem it for him, but he himself prospers and acquires sufficient means to redeem it, he is to determine the value for the years since he sold it and refund the balance to the man whom he sold it. He can then go back to his property, but if he does not acquire the means to repay him, what he sold will remain in the possession of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. It will be returned in the Jubilee, and he can go back to his property. There's another half a chapter there, but you get what it means. I hope you do. Jubilee, the, the word Jubilee is Yobel in Hebrew, so it's Yobeli. Jubilee, and then through the years, it's been translated now in English as Jubilee. And it is a term that means uh, a trumpet or a ram's horn, something like this. That uh, Some years ago, somebody gave it to me as a present. Like that, a ram's horn. It's a real one. That's a long one. This one's cheaper. And, and you sound this horn on the Day of Atonement, okay? which is Yom Kippur, the most holy uh, festival in the Jewish calendar. This year, it is on the 23rd of September. So this year, we might want to blow a lot of uh, trumpets on the 23rd of December, uh, uh, September. And so, it's a time of celebration, the year of jubilee, jubilation, because of what God instituted. It'll be like, you know, yesterday I was a slave. Then today, the sound of the ram's horn is blown throughout Israel, and today I'm free. I'm no longer a slave. And when I hear that ram's horn blown on the Day of Atonement, I had no land yesterday, and today the land has been returned to me. And it's great. Um, I want to show you how it, it sounds like, so let me try this. Okay. Cheat a bit, huh? Stylo, right? Okay, let me cut that short. So what is supposed to happen in the Jubilee? Basically, property and persons, people, are to be returned or, or reset to its proper place. So what happens in the Jubilee is rest for the land, as, you've, as we've read. You don't work, you don't sow, you don't trim uh, or prune, and you don't reap. And what you produce on the sixth year or the 48th year, God says, I will give you enough to cover the 49th year that you don't work, to cover the 50th year where you will then sow and you don't reap 50th year because the plants are still growing and then you reap in the 51st year. So it will be enough to cover 
everything that you need. So the year of Jubilee is a year-long party. And likewise for the next year as well, because you're, 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 you're not really reaping. So that's rest for the land. And then there is the redemption of, of property where the land is returned to you. Like you're, you're, you're poor and you've got no means to support yourself, so your, your inheritance of land, you sell it. You sell it uh, and it's got like six more years to go until the Jubilee and then at the Jubilee, it is returned to you. You cannot sell land freehold. Okay? The land belongs to God freehold. God gives it to you like... 50 years at a go, uh, renewable 50-year lease. And then it is a year of jubilee to help the poor. It is a year of jubilee where you just simply let your slaves go. Okay? In summary, it doesn't make sense. Right? Who would ever do that? It is every 50 years you press this reset button and zoom, it all goes back to square one. No human would enact such a law. Right? Because you would know that you and I are not going to obey this law. Or at least you're not going to submit to it willingly. And we all say it doesn't make sense. Unless it is divine. Unless out of pure faith in God, you say this is divine, I'm going to submit to it, I will obey it. It doesn't make sense, but I believe God instituted it to make sense. And it takes faith. It takes faith. Like so many other divine concepts like when Jesus says the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. Rubbish! How can it be? And, and Jesus says, you know, you follow my example, I wash the feet of those who are, who are uh, and I'm the master, I'm God Almighty and I wash feet like a servant. And like the first 10% of your income, of your produce of the land, of the profits that you make, you give to God first. Rubbish! It should be the other way around. I spend 90% of myself, then maybe I got 10% or 7% left, then I give to God. All these are divine concepts. It is out of pure faith. A lot of times we say it doesn't make sense because when you read Leviticus chapter 25, you will be thinking, yeah, not fair. You know? Not fair. I buy something, I buy a slave, and then suddenly on the 50th year, I've got to set him free. Or, or I buy land, and then suddenly on the 50th year, I've got to give it back to the person. It's, it's just not fair. It doesn't make sense. Except that if you put yourselves in the position of the slave, if you put yourselves in the position of the poor person who had to sell his land, and say, oh, fantastic. It's very fair. It's good. It's gracious. It's God. But we don't. We normally take the position of the other person who is uh, uh, going to benefit, uh, uh, who's the, like the landowner and all that. And I'm thinking that if you were a Jew, and of course you'd be reading the Torah, the first five books of the Bible from Genesis and all that, then you come to Leviticus, Leviticus 24, 24, and by the time you approach Leviticus 25, you'll be feeling very guilty. Because as far as we know, Jubilee was never practiced, was never obeyed. And the closest that we can read from the Bible that something like this was practiced was in Jeremiah chapter 34, where the city of Jerusalem, I believe, and the Israelites were surrounded by the Babylonians. They were going to be uh, destroyed, captured. And in this like, final desperate act of piety, they decided that it might be a good way to win God's favor. And so they freed all their slaves. 
They cancelled all the debts. And as they did this, miraculously, the Babylonian army stopped their attack uh, because they found that Egypt was coming into the battle. This has stopped it. But the Israelites did not live happily ever after because soon as this thing stopped, they quickly rearrested all their prisoners and all their slaves and put them back to work as slaves again. And you know the rest is history. Babylonian uh, captured uh, Israel. Okay, you say that's ancient history, that's Old Testament. What about now? What about the New Testament? Okay, the clearest New Testament reference to the Jubilee is found in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, you know, this was right at the beginning of uh, Jesus' ministry where he, uh, after his temptation and all that, he went into, uh, went to Nazareth, he went to a synagogue. At the synagogue, he took up the scroll, he unrolled it to this portion, and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What Jesus was reading from was Isaiah chapter 61, the Bible of his day. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, practically the same thing. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And at the end of reading this passage, Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus applied this passage to himself and he says, I fulfill the jubilee that was never even practiced from day one. It refers to the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed, but who are they? And as you know, that there is a literal translation, there is also a symbolic uh, meaning to this. When the blind receive sight, like for example in Luke ch chapter 18, Jesus healed the blind, he talks about the blind physically, but there is also reference to the blind receiving salvation as seeing, you open your eyes to see in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 3. So the blind refers to physically blind as well as spiritually blind the physically poor as well as the spiritually poor, those who are poor in spirit, the physical slaves as well as those who are bound in slavery to unforgiveness, to pornography, to unhealthy habits of, of all kinds. So you can look at that uh, in, in physical uh, meaning as well as a symbolic meaning. So Jesus freed the prisoners, gave sight to the blind, released the oppressed, but if you look at these two passages in the words of a Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other. Something like that. Okay. What is not like the other? What's the difference between these two passages? Is that part there? And the day of vengeance of our God. That was the part that Jesus did not read in Luke chapter 4. God's vengeance is unleashed on man's sin. It is man's sins that perverts His holiness. But Jesus did not read that part because He fulfilled that part as well. He took on the vengeance of God on His body on the cross and He fulfilled the jubilee from end to end. He came to set us free. He came even to set us free from this ritually, uh, ritualistic aspect of the jubilee 
what the Jubilee st- uh, stipulates. Instead, by his life, example, his teaching, his suffering, his sacrificial death, his resurrection, he now inspires us not to a ritual uh, or a ritualistic kind of blind obedience, but to a response, to a response of love, so that we now become ambassadors of Christ. And as we have freely received, now we freely give. As we have received sight, healing for the brokenhearted, uh, the oppressed, we now minister to the brokenhearted, to the captives, to the prisoners, to the blo- uh, poor, and to the blind. I came across this song uh, by Michael Card, and it just explains the Jubilee so well. I just want to play with you. Play it for you. <laughs> Sorry. Provider for a time for the slaves to be set free, for the debts to all be cancelled, so his chosen one could see. His deep desire was for forgiveness, he longed to see their liberty, and his yearning was embodied in the year of Jubilee. Jubilee, Jubilee, Jesus is that Jubilee. Debt's forgiven, slaves set free, Jesus is our Jubilee. At the Lord's appointed time, His deep desire became a man, the heart of all true jubilation, and with joy we understand. In his voice we hear a trumpet sound that tells us we are free. He is the incarnation of the year of Jubilee. Jubilee, Jubilee. Jesus is the Jubilee. Debt's forgiven, slaves set free. Jesus is our Jubilee. To look into your judge's face and see a savior there. Jubilee, Jubilee, Jesus is that Jubilee. Debt's forgiven, slaves set free. Jesus is our Jubilee. Jubilee. Jesus is the Jubilee. Debt's forgiven, slaves set free. Jesus is our Jubilee. The Jubilee is about it's about getting a second chance. It's, it's, it's a spiritual reset button for, for the poor, for the imprisoned, for the blind, uh, for the oppressed. It's a, a second chance for the poor to be made rich in Christ, as the New Testament tells us. It's a second chance for those imprisoned in, in unhealthy habits or unforgiveness. It's a second chance for, for those who are blinded by worldly pursuits, uh, that they have lost their souls, 
as uh, Mark uh, chapter 9 tells us, it's a second chance for those who are oppressed, those who are enslaved by the wrong choices that they made and they're just bound. But you know, strangely, there, there are people who don't want a second chance. Um, they don't really want to reset their lives. And it's like the story of this pastor who happened to be organizing for the women's ministry a garden party, you know, out in the open. And at the last minute, he realized that, oh, I forgot Mrs. Tan. So he quickly picked up the phone and, and apologized to Mrs. Tan. And he said, sorry, sorry, I, I miss you out. Uh, it's it's going to be this afternoon. And can I invite you now to, to come to this uh, garden party? And uh, Mrs. Tan's answer was, sorry, Pastor, your last minute invitation uh, really upset me. And, then, and I don't think your, your apology is insincere. I must be so small in your eyes that you forgot. And anyway, it's not going to work because I already prayed that it will rain. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're blind to grace. You are imprisoned in your own hurt and you are oppressed by feelings of revenge. Right? So you don't want to, to press this reset button that God offers. And the, the main, main feature of the Jubilee is, is, in, is one word. In, in the Hebrew, it's uh, called dirau. It means uh, the proclamation of freedom, right? Freedom for the slaves. Uh, return back to your land. It's, it's the word freedom. And in, I checked the Hebrew word and it says, it means flowing. It means flowing. It means that you unclog the stuff so that life can flow and uh, the spirit and the life can flow in your life. It's something that's bound us and you're set free. In the Greek, is the word called ephesis, which means uh, forgiveness. You're released from bondage. And this is the reset button that God offers, that you're given freedom, you're released from bondage, you're forgiven. And you are forgiven to forgive. As forgiven people, as unclogged people, you are inspired by the love, the forgiveness of Jesus, and then you practice the principles of the Jubilee. So how do we practice the principles of the Jubilee? Not baby bonus, right? So what do we as Christians do in this year of the Jubilee? What kind of resets do we press for 2015? I think that's what the lesson is in the Jubilee. So let me just give you an idea of what um, we have planned for the year 2015 in PPH. And then you see, you see what areas in life you want to do this reset. Okay, um, what is this year going to be a year of? Um, yeah, one thing I don't like to do is to say that, oh, this is a year of forgiveness, right? Or next year is a year of evangelism, uh, then a year of missions. It's, it cannot be like that. So we always have an evergreen year of. It's a year of purpose, okay? <laughs> it's, it's evergreen, huh? So maybe you check last year's sermon, also I preached the same thing. Uh, and it's encapsulated in our five M's, right? From Membership to maturity to ministry to missions. And what do we do all these things for? To glorify God, to magnify God. So in some sense, what I'm going to be sharing here is talking about membership. What does it mean to be a member of PPH? Next week, we'll have a dedication Sunday. The following week, uh, Elder Edwin will be talking about maturity, uh, maturing together. What does it mean to be in this church, to fulfill our purpose statement, to mature, mature together? And then we'll talk about ministry together. We'll talk about missions uh, together in the following weeks. But first, what does it mean to be a member of PPH? It means that you sort of agree with our purpose statement, which is like balance between the five M's. And the first one, membership, 
as in being committed to God's family. And this is the local church. God's family here is in this local church in PPH. I want to show you our attendance numbers, which sort of speaks for itself. Um, what can we say? We can say that we're not really growing. You know, if you look at the purple line, yeah, it looks okay, sort of. Uh, but uh, most of that growth comes from the Chinese assembly, which by itself is not very much. If you look at it, 103, 110, 116, 128. Okay. In 2013 to 2014, we grew an average of 5%. In the Chinese service, is the large part other than that, we are flat. Uh, if you look at the youth, it's actually fallen from 2012, uh, 2012 from 67 to 63 to 48. So there's a lot for us to do in the sense of committing to the family. Okay, in the first service, I encourage the parents. You've got to send your children here for, for the youth service. I know Saturday afternoons is very inconvenient for you and all that. But don't let them go away somewhere else. You know? Get them into fellowship here and help them to grow um, in, in Christ. And for all of us here, I'm preaching to the converted. If you've got friends that you don't see here anymore, call them, love them, buy them many, many dinners, you know, and get them back to church to enjoy the fellowship. And one of the most telling things are people who drift away are, are because they're not in a cell group, right? Because they don't have their clothes fellowship within the self-group. They don't just, they simply don't feel like they belong to PPH. You know, PPH is a place I come when I feel like it on a Sunday, but on a Sunday, I may meet one person I know and then after that, I, I stand around and I don't know anybody and then I just walk away. So you want to interest them to join a self-group. And if you're here not in a self-group, then, then do join a self-group and bring your friends to, to come alongside uh, you. That, so that might be the reset button for you. This year, I want to reset. I want to be faithful in a cell group. I want to faith, be faithful in coming for, for Sunday services. I'm glad we have... Uh, Joanne's going to start work with us tomorrow as our full-time youth pastor. We've got a lot of pressure <laughs> on her. It's not about numbers, right? It's not about numbers, but it really is about shepherding the flock, okay? So we're going to be examining who are the people who sort of drifted away and we want to love and bring them back to join this family because in this family, good things happen. Secondly, maturity. Uh, we're going to start with a season of prayer. But you think about it, season of prayer is a very big word. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, Wednesday already got prayer meeting, uh, healing prayer service. Friday, we ask you to close your cell group to come here. So no net difference. The net difference is tomorrow. The net difference is tomorrow. So tomorrow night, please come to join this season of prayer. Alright, let's start tomorrow and let's start the year with the humbling of ourselves has come together, uh, what they call it, a solemn assembly, so that we pray uh, together for this family, for ourselves, as we start the new year, our season of prayer. Next, uh, this year, we're going to have a prayer camp. We're going to join our men's weekend and our women's weekend into one weekend of prayer. I hope it works. <laughs> okay? And there'll be some teaching, there'll be lots of prayer, and I suspect there'll be some time of solitude for those who like solitude. And... So this prayer camp uh, we're having 18 to 21st June. Um, 
Every year we have this global day of prayer. So because this year is a jubilee, so we call it JDOP instead of GDOP, the Jubilee Day of Prayer, 5th July. And a group of churches have organized this. It's going to be held in that stadium where there's a problem in the grass. Okay? I haven't been to that stadium, so I'm looking forward to the 5th of July to look at the grass. Okay? And then to, to join with many, many churches, different churches in Singapore, and to proclaim, hopefully, the year of the Lord's favor, the Jubilee year, and, and to be praising the Lord together. So uh, keep that date uh, open also. Don't go on holiday. Tuesday Bible study, we, we talked about. We're going to have that start. And then the marriage enrichment weekend. Okay, for several years, we have not been able to do this. Last year, we tried, and we could not even find 10 couples. And uh, so we're going to try again. Uh, we haven't even fixed a, a date for this. But in the first service, somebody came up to me. Hey, by default, I'm coming. Huh? So I've got one couple already. With myself and Angeline, with two couples. So I need eight more or more. Um, to grow in Christ likeness, uh, one of the, the, the things uh, I want to share with you is also our sermon series. Like I mentioned, we're going to be hitting these five M's again. Soon after this, five M's uh, will have a series on, on Jonah. Jonah, who ran away from God who ran back to God, and then who ran for God. Um, and then in the first service, we'll be uh, looking at First Thessalonians, which is about end times and holiness. The second service, we'll look at uh, Philippians, which is uh, about joy. And after that series, we will do uh, Counterfeit Gods. It's a book by Tim Keller, and I really like this tagline. It's the real-life game of thrones for the altar of your heart. I thought it was quite good. First of all, didn't understand this. Okay, Game of Thrones. Uh, I also don't understand. I have not even seen one of Thrones. Um, oh, does it come in episodes? It does, huh? <laughs> I thought it's just one movie. And it's just talking about idolatry, okay? What is modern-day idolatry? Why is God so... Uh, always talking about idolatry and it's like referred in the Old Testament to idols and all that, but what, how does it work in modern-day times? So we're going to be looking at that. And then... I think it's in July. We're going to be using as a basis, uh, as a base, this book called If God is Good by Randy Alcon. We're going to have, uh, I think, four sermons on that. If God is good, why does my young child have leukemia? If God is good, how come hundreds of thousands are killed in the tsunami? And if God is good, why does a plane crash from Surabaya? A questions of, of this nature. Uh, so we've gathered the group. We are all reading this book. And we'll be meeting together and we'll figure out how to address this on Sunday as well as to follow up with cell group discussions. And then, towards the end of the year, we're going to be celebrating Halloween. Or rather, redeeming Halloween. Do you know that Halloween has a Christian origin? But now it is like many Christians will say, don't touch Halloween. You know, so we want to understand what Halloween is about and, and we want to redeem Halloween started out so good, but now it's like worship of devil or whatever. Okay? I'll be talking more about Halloween later on. So, under maturity, these are the things that we'll be uh, trying to do. And then ministry. Ministry is about serving others. And I think the best way to do it is to do it together in a cell group. First of all, you study the Bible in a cell group, and then you practice what you learn from the Bible to serve others. How do we serve? All kinds of stuff. Uh, can serve in uh, 
CSC. In, uh, we want to be doing uh, block parties in CSC this year. We'll continue capping, and we're looking between block parties and capping whether or not uh, we will cancel certain capping sessions so that we can do block parties. We have planned, according on paper now, 10 block parties for this year. Uh, I, I wish it can be 12, so I can say that every month I have a block party going on in, in Teban Gardens. Uh, what it be, we might have a block party for Easter. Okay, That's up to our creativity. How do we get Easter into a block party? Uh, certainly, we're going to do a block party for Halloween. Okay, I think that's a great time to do a block party. We can have a satay block party or a durian season block party, those kind of stuff. So limited only by our creativity. Uh, that's why we can serve. We can serve also in Batam. Um, many cell groups have gone there. They just give Sarah a call, and Sarah always obliges. Uh, they will uh, arrange for us to serve the food, meet the children. And I know that some of us have uh, sponsored children. I want to encourage you to sponsor even more children so that uh, you can go and serve them. Uh, we talked about BMWs and teaching English. Uh, I've had, I believe, well, first we had Connie. <laughs> okay. Now we have, I think, maybe four or five volunteers already. We're going to be integrating them in, into this work, but we can do more. Again, it's limited only by the number of teachers. When we have more teachers, we can try to invite more uh, to uh, our English lessons here and then at the same time uh, share the gospel with them. So, like I say, it is limited by creativity. It is also limited by compassion. Whether or not we want to step out and, and do something uh, to serve uh, others. The next one would be missions. Okay, these are the mission trips that uh, are currently in our plans in the Philippines. Uh, we could have two. We might merge it into one. Timor-Leste, Xingchuan uh, is leading one in, in May. China, we've already planned for two. Actually, three. Uh, Mengzi is in Yunnan province. And uh, USC is in Sichuan province. And, and Batam. Okay, Batam, I would like to encourage you, you know, just... Get your cell group there to serve. Uh, uh, Dietrich has a, a team. We play football. You might want to go and join him. Or you might just want to go and do a feeding program and to meet sponsored children and all that. Uh, I take this opportunity also to just uh, show you some pictures of the um, Bible school renovations. The top picture is a shop house. We have four shop houses. And on the roof, we are building rooms so that the lecturers can, can stay there. So that's what's happening there. Uh, the bottom picture is a big hole in the ground uh, in the, the warehouse. I don't know why there's such a big hole, but it's supposed to be there. Um, so we're going to demolish the, the dividing wall and we want to build a mezzanine floor across two warehouses. So maybe that's why they're having this uh, foundational work. So that's going on. We hope to complete it within six months. I want to talk a bit about healing prayer service as part of missions. Uh, this family really, really troubled, all kinds of problems. The mother and the child came to know Christ. They have not really been able to attend church and all that. They are continuing to have all kinds of financial and medical uh, problems. But the, the day they came was the day that they prayed to receive Christ. And I want to look at healing prayer service like that also. It's not just physical healing, it's healing for our souls. So you go look around in your schools, in your workplaces, uh, people who have physical illness and people who are down or or whatever, you know, just invite them and bring them 
and pray for them. You know, it's God's responsibility. He's sovereign. He heals whom He heals through miraculous means, through doctors. But it is our responsibility to love our neighbor as ourselves. It is our responsibility to pray for them and to bring them to the healer. Okay? So I encourage you this Wednesday, uh, bring your friends. Um, friends' lunch is our old um, parents' night, no? but we found that night is not so good no? because uh, the older folks need to sleep early. So we now have lunch. Um, and this year is going to be very interesting. It's on the 11th of July. Um, this guy is called Vincent To. He's from Queenstown Chinese Methodist Church. Uh, I think in 2012, in the middle of the year, he led 20 from his church as tourists to Egypt. And they were way late by, don't know, rebels or terrorists or something. And, um, and he offered himself as a hostage. So the 20 of his church people were set free, but he was held hostage for a while. Then later on, something happened. I think they exchanged prisoners or something, and he was set free. So like Jubilee. You know? uh, so we've invited him to, to uh, come and share with us. And I think it's a good story. I'm sure my parents will want to come when I invite them, when I tell them uh, about this. So that's happening. Um, sponsor children. Uh, let me encourage you to, to sponsor children in Batam. This is Simon and Eileen. Um, Just simple thing. Buy a school bag. You look at the smile on this child's face. Uh, it's well worth it, you know, uh, to be able to do something like that uh, and it's part of missions. And lastly, block parties. Block parties. Let's do something special for Halloween. Okay? And uh, like I say, limited by our creativity. All right. So what is 2015? You know, all these things we do, for what? To, to glorify God. Why do we want to glorify God? Because He loves us. Because He set us free. Because He's forgiven us. So 2015 is, is, is nothing to do with baby bonus. It's, it's got nothing to do with pioneer generation benefits. And everybody says that these are pre-election goodies uh, given out. It's, it's got nothing to do with Singapore. It's got nothing to do with, with, with politics. It's got everything to do with God. And the principles of the Jubilee, as are the purpose statement, uh, as is the purpose statement of PPH, it should be evergreen. The principles are the same. It's about, I would classify it as second chances. A Jubilee is about second chances. It's about a divine reset button and it's about God's grace. Um, so, I hope you still believe in New Year, New Year resolutions. You ought to, uh, even though we fail all the time. But the word resolution is, is not a very good word. It sounds like re-solution, right? You keep solving the same problem again and again, a re-solution. So, this year, let's talk about a divine reset, you know? a reset button, a divine reset button. Because you've got God inside, it's divine. So even as crazy as the ideas of a jubilee are that, that you think God has written, it is divine. It makes sense uh, if only we have faith. So when we press this divine reset button, whether you want to be like committed to a cell group under membership, you want to read the Bible, you want to come for Tuesday Bible study in maturity, you want to, to commit yourself to, to serving in Teban Gardens or, or teaching English in, in ministry, or, or you want to be, start planning for a Halloween or Easter block party, or in missions, you want to go on a mission trip, all these things. Press that reset button with God and it's going to work. 
Okay, let me um, invite the musicians to come and get ready. So as we start 2015, first thing first, um, are we children of God? I was just reading, a, maybe listening to a sermon or something, and that this person goes around Bible schools, students, and asks them, you know, are you a real believer? And, and to their surprise, many of them don't even know. So I want to ask that question. You know, are you a child of God? Have you received grace? If you've not, then today, better make that start. Better press that first reset button. Secondly, if you've been a believer for, for many years, then we've got to look at this, our five M's and ask ourselves, you know, where am I in terms of membership or maturity or ministry or mission? And is my life magnifying God, glorifying God? And where are the reset buttons that I ought to be pressing? And then I want to challenge all of us through this song um, to, to dedicate ourselves to serve. This song says, um, what is it? Carry God's compassion to love a world that's broken, to go beyond religion. Right? You look at Leviticus 25, it looks like religion. It looks like rituals, but it's not. It's deeper than that. Even if you look at the many commandments of Jesus, sometimes it looks like rituals, but it's not. It's deeper than that. So we need to go beyond uh, religion. So why don't we stand as we sing this song together and use this song as um, a prayer of dedication before the Lord. Surely life wasn't made to regret And the lost were not made to forget Surely faith without action is dead Let your kingdom come Surely life wasn't made Surely faith without action is dead. Let your kingdom come. Lord, break this heart, and I will live to carry your compassion, to love a world that's broken, to be your hands and feet. And I will give with a life that I've been given. Go beyond religion to see the world be changed. Jesus, Jesus, your name is a shelter for the hurting. Your name is a refuge for the weak. Only your name can redeem the undeserving. Jesus, your name holds everything I need. I will live to carry your compassion, to 
love for one is broken so be your hands and feet and I will give if the life that I've been given to go beyond religion to see the world be changed and I will live to carry your compassion to love for one is broken and I will know the life that I've been given to go beyond religion, to see the world be changed by the power of your name, by the power of your name. said earlier, first things first, if you have not committed your life to God, do so today. Let me lead you in what is called a sinner's prayer. We recognize that we are lost, we are blind, we are oppressed, and pray, and God will set us free. That is His promise from long, long ago and through the generations. He's in the business of setting us free from the sins that bind us. And all you have to pray is just like this, God forgive me. I know that I have messed up, but I know that you can set me free. You cleanse me of my sins. You wash me clean. And then you give me strength to live a new life each day. This abundant life that you promise. Help me, Lord, day by day. I commit my life to you. Do that. Many of us have been Christians for many years. In these moments, think about what resets you ought to be making. God is gracious. He will help us. And set it before the Lord. Set it apart from the Lord. Reset it for the Lord. And He will help us as we purpose to honour God, to magnify God, to glorify God. Whether it is an area of membership, maturity, ministry, or missions. Let's come before the Lord and offer ourselves for His purpose. Just as we sang the song, faith without action is dead. So what are the areas that we want to set into action because of our faith in God. Would you live a life full of compassion, the compassion of Christ to love a world that's broken? Would you be willing to be His hands and feet? The life that He's given to us, what are we going to do with it this year? 
go beyond religion, go beyond quiet time and, and even prayer. Let that quiet time and the prayer stir in our hearts the compassion of Christ so that we can see this world through His eyes. Bring your friends to the healing prayer meeting. Serve them. Pray for them. Do little acts of kindness for them by the power of His name. Seek out those who are hurting especially and bring His name to bear. God is a refuge for the weak. And the more undeserving the person, the more nasty, the more you will love. You might be the only person in the office to say a word of kindness and to approach such a person. But you do it because you have been loved by Christ. You are forgiven. Therefore, you can forgive. So let's commit ourselves to the Lord that way. Let me now open up the altar for, for ministry time. You want to set it before the Lord. You want someone to pray with you. Altar is open. Let me say the closing prayer first and then whoever wish to be have this time to pray. Someone pray alongside with you to set it before the Lord. Let's do that. God, thank you so much for the ministry of your word. Even from long ago, something as obscure as the Jubilee, something that was never even practiced. But Lord, there are deep things in there and I pray that we will appropriate them and that even if we don't explain what Jubilee is to our colleagues and friends, our lives will show it. That we carry your compassion to free people from their sins, to release them from their hurts. You will use us as your instrument of blessing to the world that is around us. So God, this is our dedication to you this year. Would you enable us? Would you help us? So I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is still open. Uh, before that, uh, 